All right, welcome college basketball fans. Another edition of Mad About Hoops coming at you, and we say hello to all of our listeners that are checking us out on the simulcast on 97.1 The Fans Saturday mornings. I guess it's not really a simulcast because we're not doing this podcast at the exact same time that it's airing on Saturday mornings. But either way, I'm Timmy Hall. We have uh, once again, no evil bald Colin, but joining us on this edition, another fine college basketball lover. He is our 10 TV sportscaster friend, Dave Holmes, everybody. Dave, thanks for joining, man. I'm a college basketball lover, not a college basketball fighter. It's all about loving, man. It is. You know, we we wish there were more things to love this college basketball season, especially when we look at our own kitchen with the Ohio State Buckeyes. We certainly will talk about these guys, just how bad this season is getting right now. There's a whole lot else to talk about, though, because we branch out in this podcast. We talk about the past. We talk about the present. We talk about games that we love, games that are coming up that we love. There's so much going on in the sport right now. Blue Bloods are kind of knocked down. Right now, Dave, I don't know, like with Kentucky and Duke and UNC, how about Louisville too? Yeah. Like we haven't talked about Louisville in a long time on this pod, but they're like three and 22 on the season. Could you imagine? What's that like for those guys? Yeah, it's wild to look at the ACC standings and see teams like Pitt and Miami and even NC State safely ahead of Duke and Carolina and Louisville. Right. I mean, it's it's really wild. So Louisville's what now? Three and 23? Three and 23 now. Yeah, and... Look, we're going to get to Ohio State, and just because Louisville sucks doesn't mean Chris Holtman's off the hook, right? Those two things don't have to be. No, no, no. One doesn't necessarily, but there is always this thought of, you know, it could be worse. Yes, Louisville is a much more basketball traditional power than Ohio State is, clearly. So, yeah, there are several teams. You mentioned those. I think Kentucky is going to be okay when it's all said and done. I have more confidence in them than the other guys you named, but... Yeah, it's been a really weird season, and I think it should make for a fun college basketball tournament for people who love college hoops because when you see teams like Alabama, Houston, Purdue at the top, you think, I can't trust any of those. So it opens everything up, but you know it might not be quite the box office it normally is right, when, right. when Joe in accounting wants to take Duke to the Elite Eight, and he's going to say, why, why are they a 10 seed? What's going on here? Yeah, it's the NCAA tournament is one of those things that never seems to fail. Even if you've got guys that have fallen off, we've seen, I think I saw a stat earlier that Kentucky hasn't actually won a game in the NCAA tournament since 2019. That's hard to believe. Unreal, right? I mean, you just go quick back to last year. They lost to the 15th seed. They lost to St. Peter's and that was an ugly look. And so things are what they are. And I've, I've pretty much been told by people just book it that John Calipari will be gone. And so crazy. He's, he's out of there and mark him down for the Texas gig that Chris Beard lost. So we will see if that comes to fruition. Everybody keep it locked right here. We've got a, we've got a really fun podcast coming up with 10 TV sportscaster Dave Holmes in the chair with me, or actually he's in a second chair. He's in another chair. Yeah. Big oversized chair. A big lazy like at the boy. Beach. <laughs> We fit 30, both of us in here. A 30-foot chair at the wow. beach where everybody gets in for the photo op. What a visual. Yeah, settle in. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it. He hit it just inside of half court. Leans on the other wing. Oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! 
Olympics. All right, we're rocking and rolling. We're into late February now. We are steamrolling towards March. I can hear the CBS theme in the back of my head. I'm Timmy Hall. He's Dave Holmes from 10TV. We're getting after it, man. Like, I'm looking back at this past week. You talked about some ACC hoops back there. They're kind of a weird conference right now. But, you know, these Purdue Boilermakers, they are getting to that point now where they had such an impeccable record making it that far into the season with just one loss. And in the league that they're in, I always looked at them and I I thought that some L's could be coming. You know, outside of Zach Eady, Mason Gillis is a good player for them, but Young backcourt, you know, looking at, you know, Lawyer and Braden Smith, a lot to rely on when you got young dudes back there. And I think you're probably in agreement where you want your strength in your backcourt when you get to the NCAA tournament. Not saying that a, a, a transcendent type of big doesn't matter, but it's just interesting to see Purdue take some losses now. And it's it's not over yet with what Northwestern is doing. The way they played against Indiana this week just smothered them for much of the game. It's it's getting a little a little testy at the top of the Big Ten right yeah, now. Yeah, so you mentioned Edie. He might be the best player in the conference and, and maybe the best player in the NCAA tournament. But the thing about big guys, you can scheme around it. I mean, you can make it. He's not bringing the ball up the floor. Yeah. So you have to let him get it. And you can double him. You can face guard him. You can zone him. You can do a lot of things. But with the guards, they're going to touch the ball for 60 to 80% of the possession. So I do think once it gets to March, and that's a liability. You mentioned Fletcher Lawyer. He can't shoot. He's not a good shooter. He's not good from distance. He's not good from mid-range. I'm almost positive he's sub 40% on the season overall. Isn't that surprising with just how overall skilled he is come out of the gates? Yes. Because you know, as a high school player, he was clearly shooting it well. Yes. It's probably a part of his game that's going to click in at some point. Yeah. Uh, there we go. 38%. So he's 38, 38%, 38% from the floor. Do you say, Whoa, that's okay. 38% from the floor. Oh, overall from the field. Yes. Oh my God. He's 30. He's 33% behind the line. So he's, he's only, he's sub 40%. That's shocking. That's shocking. That's that's shocking for a guy that we kind of laud as one of the better players, not just as a freshman, but one of the better players in the big 10. Right. And he's only given you 2.5 assists and 1.7 rebounds. Yeah. You could probably say right there, Dave, little uh, little on the overrated meter there. I agree. So Purdue is the cream of the crop. I mean, then you have Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, all kind of fighting for who's the second best team in the conference. And I think this is what makes Ohio State's slide more frustrating, Tim. I think this is the worst Big Ten Chris Holtman's had since he took over at Ohio State. But we keep calling it the... The deep Big Ten. Yeah, because people will try to sell you on Rutgers and mm-hmm. Michigan State being good in the seven and eight spot. But it's always deep. It's always you know? deep. You always have some of these teams that are going to be sitting in between 16 and 18 wins yes. at this time of the year. But still for me, and I don't know where you come down on this, you have got to finally do something in the big dance, and we don't know how that's going to play out just yet. That's the thing. You know you know how you describe it, why you describe a conference as being deep? Because they're not good at the top. <laughs> that's, that's what you say, right? <laughs> right. Oh, Give, we're, we're I'll deep. take four in the Sweet 16 yes. as depth. Yes. That's pretty deep to me if you got four good teams yes. up at the top instead of one or two. Which is the Big 12. 
right? The Big Absolutely. 12 is deep as in they have three or four teams who could win a national championship. And, Good. and you know, lately, the Pac-12 has had little runs like yes. that in the yes. NCAA tournament, but no UCLA one gives them credit for it. Or yeah. Oregon are sneaky good out of no, or Arizona. Remember Oregon State had that year? Yes. <laughs> Went all the way to the Elite Eight without so, without any, uh, people, any warning signs. People love saying the Big Ten is deep. And in other words, if you said, hey, is the Big Ten hot? Well, the Big Ten has a good personality. That that's that's what we're saying, right? Yeah. The Big Ten's got a nice personality. Oh, so it's not hot, and and that's what it is when we say the Big Ten's deep. You mentioned the top. When is the last time the Big Ten won a national championship? We are now going on. It's Michigan State. It's Michigan still, State. Man. I'm trying it's to Michigan think State. which year is that? Oh one. Oh one. That's Mateen Cleaves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been unbelievable. So we're like at 22 years. You can't consider yourself a basketball conference. If you go more than two decades without a ring, I mean that—that's really, really bad. What's another thing we could say about the Big Ten? If it's not the, it's got character. It does. That's another thing yeah. you'd say. Yes. Care? Would you, do you want character? Or do you want a lot of money yeah. at your job? Right. Which which, which would you prefer? Fine he institutions. Is a character. Yeah. <laughs> but but if Northwestern is going to legitimately be your second best team, what is Northwestern in in the tournament right now? Are they a five seed? A six seed? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, and and that's your second best team. Maybe Indiana gets a four or five if they go to the Big Ten title game. It's going to be one of those two teams. So that's really bad to only have one team potentially ranked as a top five seed. That is really, really bad. So for me, that just makes me look at Ohio State and say, now, wait a second. You are three and 12 in that conference? In a conference that only has one elite team, and you're three and twelve. Yeah, it's it's, it's a pro- really bad. It's a problem with it, and uh, we'll get into more of that the disaster at uh, Iowa in our third segment coming up here. Which you and I were just kind of it was tough. Like we're sitting Yo. here in the Yo. the only two people left at work and watching <laughs> watching this game, and it's so like, what are you what are you gonna do? It's they're they're done right now. What can you say? And they're just trying to find a way to get to the end. There's. There's some other great stuff that has been going on in college basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I, for one, am always curious to see which program is making that turn that will actually last. Right, Dave? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think there's there's a couple teams that I would explore here. Baylor is the model who has done it. Yeah. Right? And you could say they were just gone in football and basketball. Yeah, dead. Art Bryles brought him back. It's bad stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's bad stuff going on with the basketball program, too. But By any means necessary. Scott Drew yeah. he came in, has been doing it the right way. Yeah. And in a conference where you've seen the trophy case photos, right, of yeah. Bill Self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of you know, cheating going on there, too. Sure, and sure. That, 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 that happens with the FBI investigation. But Bill had it written in the contract. They can't ding him for anything that pops up that's related to that. And they've apparently paid all their penalties that they'll pay for that. But for Drew and Baylor to do that in that conference, mm-hmm. they made the term. Another program in that conference is kind of doing it now with TCU. Yeah. And they kind of did it with football as well. Yeah. So it's a couple programs in Texas there that I point to. But I wonder, you know, if uh, is is Alabama now getting yes. back to that point where they're going to be just really good in both sports at the top? Because you can ov- honestly say, Dave, if your football program is able to be so good, how can your men's basketball program not sort of ride those coattails and figure out a way to at least be upper echelon in mm-hmm. the conference and stay there pretty consistently, not win it every year, but why would Alabama basketball have trouble with the money that they make in their athletics to in their athletics department, excuse me, at least staying in the top five, top six, even in their down years. Yeah. Alabama is the most interesting team in the country to me right now because of what you said. So if we look through history, 
Now you say, how can you not be good at both? I understand from a financial standpoint and a hype mm-hmm. standpoint, that makes sense. But historically, it just never happens. And 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 we've talked about this, I know, on you know the Buckeye show before. If What school could win a national championship in both? Ohio State had a minute. Back with Odin and Connolly, they could have won it both. Florida actually was at that point with, you know, Joakim Noah and, and Ronnie Brewer. And there was that intersecting with Tebow, I want to say. Maybe. Is that pre-Tebow? I th- well, when Florida, did Chris Leak not get a title? It might have been Leak. But but that's a that prime example. With, yeah. Two programs right there. Yeah, of course, at the same Florida time. Florida winning in both sports. Right. It's brutal. But it's, it's, the list is super small. And TCU and Baylor looked like potential football champion teams about five or six years ago and now have fallen off a bit. So it doesn't happen often, but Alabama's right there. And if Alabama is going to be a top five football school and basketball school, my goodness, that would be really impressive because it should happen more than it does, but it rarely happens. I think Creighton is one of those programs that for the longest time, they were just a solid Mm mid-major, a lot like Xavier. Yeah, Xavier, yeah. And these programs, Xavier included, benefited from the shakeup in the the college sports landscape that made the Big East a little bit different. Guys like you and I, we still followed them. You know, you get a kick out of the they call it the Catholic Seven, right? right yes, programs yes. that don't have football, but yes. man, like man, do they, they love the they hoops. care about the hoops, yeah. and that that's cool to me. Creighton though has has made that turn and consistently stayed up at the top. And they had an interesting year where they started nine and eight Mm -hmm. and they just went on a massive winning spree, Dave, until they just lost. I want to say they were at Providence this past week and it was a, yeah, it was, it was a great ball game. 94, 86 Friars are another one of those teams that they've kind of, they've got some history. They've kind of had good years. Rick didn't Rick Pitino. Get those guys to the final four. One of his stops. Yes. They've done it a little bit. The other one that's done it is San Diego state has turned itself into absolutely an interesting basketball. Thanks to Fisher yes, being out there. Right. Had turned himself into an interesting basketball school all of a sudden. A team that, you know, traditionally gets a four or five seed in the tournament and has a chance to make a little bit of noise. And they, they were nothing 10 or 15 years ago. All right. We still got our big Buckeye basketball segment coming up, but right, right around the corner here, a quick pause and just a eye-popping number that I saw this week in college hoops that I want to throw Dave's way and get his reaction to it. So a lot more coming up. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. All right, everybody. Thank you for being with us here for this edition of Mad About Hoops, the podcast for the college basketball lovers out there. Our guy, Evil Bald Colin, he will be back soon. Uh, He's doing well. He'll be back before March Madness. I'm Timmy Hall. Our friend today is Dave Holmes, sportscaster from 10TV. You can catch him on that channel all the time. I mean, wall-to-wall sports, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock news, all around the clock, really. Just more Dave Holmes is what I want to see on that channel. Yeah, I mean, what else else are you going to watch at 11.30 on a Saturday? Saturday Night Live? (laughs) No. Okay, Okay, so maybe you will watch that. But but record us. No, I like your bits better. <laughs> Do you really? I like Holmes, sweet Holmes. There you go. Look at you. I, I want more of that. What was the thing you did in the dark room? You did a poetry slam. Ah, that was for the for Peach the bowl. bowl game. Yeah, that was good stuff. Oh, yeah, I bust that gimmick out once a year. Yeah, once a year. Stuff. Did I, yeah. 
You go up to Ann Arbor. Yeah. You do the man on the. You don't see any of the man on the street bits anymore. You know, it's so funny. funny. It's the ultimate low hanging fruit in journalism. I think it's like the worst of local news when you go say, you know, we talked to three residents who aren't happy about the gas prices. I think that's like <laughs> such trash local news. So I, I it's love. It's of that. It is. It's, it's not news. Exact, it's fun. Exactly. So and me, it's okay. Me just talking, okay. talking trash with Michigan students is meant to make fun of the local news genre that I'm actually in. I don't think my bosses get that, which is nice. But it is making fun of kind of what we do. I get it, man. You're in that world that's still, it's TV still, still, it's has still. its ways for local news, right? Yeah. But you are a sports guy, you can get away not with a it. news guy, yeah. and sports are here to be fun. And exactly. I, I do wonder, like you doing that that dance of how can I look? This is not really supposed to be news. Yeah, there's a game coming up. How can we create content yeah. that's just fun to watch? We're so PG-rated, buttoned up at times that I just want to lose my mind. I want to have a little bit of fun, right? You probably have all these. You probably have discussions about this and what we're doing and in, in meetings all over the place. You have the wall-to-wall sports show. Yes, we kind of get thirty minutes to do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah, and that's cool. So I, I'm looking at the West Coast Conference here. All right. Okay. And payback's a bitch, is it not? <laughs> yes. That's that's a thing. That's a big thing right there. And so uh, this Loyola Marymount basketball yeah. team, which actually features a fighting Justin Ahrens, former That's Buckeye right. basketball player. He went on out there. They got a slick little uh, uniform combo with like a powder blue and a red. Of course, the famous Hank Gathers, one mm-hmm. of the biggest tragedies in college basketball history. He played for that team and he passed. That was that was his school. And they were they were going places. Bo so, Kimball, too, right? Bo yeah, Kimball. Yeah, yeah. Bo Kimball. Absolutely. Team. Great good, team. good pull. So Loyola was the first team in 75 games earlier in this West Coast Conference season. We talked about it on the pod a few pods ago if you scan down. And uh, Cam Shelton had a huge game. Huge game. He looked like a big-time player. Looked like their version of a Dame Lillard, right, mm-hmm. for, a, for a Weber State, the way he played. So 75 straight home wins at the Kennel. I can imagine being a Gonzaga player, Dave. That's something I never want to let up. You know, with the stranglehold, you talk about we last segment we talked about programs yes. who made the turn. There's no better one than what the Zags have done. Yeah, I oh. mean, massive credit. Say they haven't won the national title all you want. That's okay, fine. okay, but they've been living as a one seed, and they went from a obscure mid major to a basketball. Not just they're a not key a mid major. They get no. guys. They're a juggernaut. Yeah, I, I hate when people refer to them as a mid major. I get it why they have that label, but they're they're a top ten basketball program. Unbelievably yeah, so. Yeah. It's incredible what they've done. So Loyola gets them, streak ends, crazy win at the kennel. I do think, you know, you've got other West Coast Conference teams. It's either adapt or die, right? Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, Moneyball. And you have to. You know, St. Mary's has become a better program. You've yeah. seen San Francisco have some teams, Loyola. So they got that win. And then on Thursday night, Gonzaga's <laughs> on the road at Loyola. And I am doing the Ohio State basketball postgame show. Yeah. And I don't believe what I'm seeing. You know, like you see a score and it's college basketball and you set your mind to it. And especially mm-hmm. a small conference game. I'm like, this seems like an NBA score to me. This can't be right. I'm seeing like 64 points, 66 points. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Is there five minutes left to go? And no. Gonzaga beat up Loyola Marymount in the first half. 68 to 28. <laughs> With a Malachi Smith dunk with like two seconds left. You're up 40 at the half. 68 to 28. Yeah. 40 points. And then they wound up grabbing a 51-point lead in the basketball game. 
before you know, Loyola played hard down yeah. the stretch to that 108-65 finishing score. Well, when, wow. you're, when you're down 51, that's when you're pounding the in-game wager and taking Loyola plus 47 and a half. That's, <laughs> you you got to pounce. Yeah, you got to buy that stock at the bottom and ride it back into the mid-40s. Wouldn't know anything about that. No, wouldn't, Watch, wouldn't know anything about watching any a game, that. an in-game score, yep. one of those window whoppers. I'm no. certainly not day trading <laughs> college hoops games late at night at work. That's for sure. No. No, I mean, how funny is that? So they, they beat the Zags you know, in Spokane by one. And obviously, the Zags, the Bulldogs, holding on to that for all those weeks. I mean, that is such a beatdown on your own home floor. It makes you feel a little better about the Iowa loss. At least that was a road game for the Bucks. But my goodness, that's hilarious to be down 51 at home after you upset a team a couple weeks earlier. All right, I want to go back to, I, I usually try to get an origin story for anyone that ever joins the pod, whether it's just a quick phone guest or someone that joins for the whole deal. And uh, while we have Dave here, I want to know, you know, when was the beginning of your basketball fandom and when did it become uh, clear that college basketball was going to be a huge interest in addition to the NBA? Because I know you're also a big NBA guy, but yeah, where did it start? How did it blend into, oh my God, I love college hoops and everything it's about. It starts when I'm seven. It's 1989. I was born in 82. I get Michael Jordan come fly with me on VHS and I see him wearing the powder blue of Carolina and I started to love him. So then I, I start watching North Carolina and then in 93, they win the national championship. Donald Williams is the final four MVP. Eric Montross, it's J.R. Reed, it's Rick Fox. And I fall in love with those Carolina teams of the mid-90s. Then the obsession kicks in 95. You have Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace. And 95, oh boy. yeah, I'm in seventh Jameson, grade. Jameson, Antoine? No, that's 97, 98. Ne- next team. Yep, yeah, that's ne- next wave. Uh, and it's Jeff McGinnis, I believe, is running the point at that point. And you have, in 95, I'm in seventh grade, and my f- best friend's dad has this office pool, five bucks to get in, and he tells us about it. I think I'm going to do this. It's the first bracket I fill out. (laughs) And the reason I fell in love is because I took a four seed, the Oklahoma State Cowboys led by big country Bryant Reeves to go to the final four, and I was the only person to hit it in this 300-person pool, and I won the pool. So as a seventh grader, you know I make like 400 bucks. So now I'm swimming in money, right? When you're 13, that's a lifetime of money. It's a million dollars. It is, right? I can't possibly spend this. No. So that is kind of where it started with Michael Jordan come fly with me, the interest in North Carolina, then the heels of the early mid-'90s, and then the obsession full-blown into college hoops was researching you know, as a kid, there's no internet in 95. So you're, you're doing everything you can. You're reading the newspaper and looking at the standings to try to fill out a bracket. So those were kind of the, the pillars that made me love college. Hoops. That's incredible. That's great. So it goes, it goes back to Dean Smith's yeah. North Carolina Tar Heels, yes. just prime Dean Smith in yes. the late eighties. Yes. And, and I'm still a Carolina encyclopedia. Love, love the heels. And that's good. I mean, you yeah. just, you just ripped off everything about those teams and the key players for them. And I, you know, it's it's funny, too, because I've bounced around a little bit growing up in Virginia and then moving mm-hmm. where I moved, and I spent those couple years as a Weber State student before yeah. I went to oh, Kansas. Speaking of Carolina. I know. and I 314 so, game. So it was a little bit different. I Utah wasn't even a thought in my mind yeah. when that game happened. But, right. of course, I'm like you. I'm a big college basketball fan. I'm not a Tar Heel fan, yeah. but I'm watching that game, and like any kid – you get pulled in by those upsets, right? Is it and, Harold Arsenal? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a uh, Eddie Gill was a player. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember years later, 
when we did live in Utah, Eddie Gill, who was the second guy on that Weber State team, this yeah. is really deep track basketball this is deep now. Dive. This is guys, deep dive. You guys are catching right now. Deep dive it's, stuff. It's Weber getting State nerdy. Wildcats. It's yeah. getting nerdy. Gill started a game in the NBA. <laughs> did he really? We were at a jazz game. I don't remember if he was like on a 10-day for Utah okay, or if he was sure. on a visiting team. Yeah. Uh, Grizzlies or something like that. Smallpox went through the roster, and he's just, the last guy left standing. It was one of those things where, like, wow, like, and, wow. and then you're and then you're saying, where the hell was Arrow was Harold? Oh, yeah, Arsenal. Where, where's Arsenal? Because why did that, he make it? He hung like 38 on the heels or oh, something. My something God. ridiculous that night. He was fantastic, but yeah. I that was in the late 90s, right? And that was yep. maybe a Chris Lang North Carolina yes, team. Yes, yes, that probably, they were able to beat. It's probably about right. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, years later, I'm at Weber State, and they had a nice like you know undefeated run in their conference season. You remember things like yep, that, that, yeah. you know, it's mid-major basketball, but I went to all those games with my dad and it just sort of reinforced the love of that sport. And even though the, the gyms weren't packed for that going undefeated in a conference yep. season and then winning that league. And I like the ones that do this. If you win your conference season, you get to host the conference tournament Yeah, yeah because yeah. it's all on the line for that. Yeah. It's cool when you get the home court advantage for going through a 14 game gauntlet right. and not dropping a game. And I think the horizon We'll play the first couple games at home, mm-hmm. and then they'll take the semifinals and the finals. Yeah. We talked about this recently over at the uh, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, the right. secondary one in Indy, which uh, we keep watching uh, this uh, this dude for Detroit Mercy, who is the second leading scorer in college basketball history, Antoine Davis, Mike Davis's yeah. son. It's uh, He's trying to chase the pistol. If he can just get buckets and buckets of points and get the games down the stretch, he could do that, but... That is good stuff. We will take a quick pause here. And this Buckeye basketball team, what do you even do? What do you even say right now? That is coming up. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. All right, basketball lovers, Mad About Hoops is rolling on here. Timmy Hall, Dave Holmes, 10 TV sportscaster. We actually watched this Ohio State-Iowa game together. First time we'd really done that. Your guys were out on vacay this week and just a late Thursday night, the nine o'clock tip at Iowa. That's late. They were in it there at 35, 36, even had a lead. The Buckeyes did going into the final two minutes of the first half, but like clockwork, something they've not been able to avoid all year. Dave is that big letdown in a short burst Four three pointers in a 226 span, something like that. And it seems like it's good night. You're going to the break and you're not feeling good about yourselves. And then second half, whoosh, not long. You have a 28 point gap there. Felt like the Ohio State football defense for a second. If you just took away these eight big plays, you actually played pretty well. It felt like that where the, the blitz happened. And my goodness, you and I were watching it. And at one point we just started cackling. Like yeah, you just la- you have to like, laugh like, at some point, this right? This is unreal. I and mean, I they- hate to say it that way. No, but it's like, you're watching it and you're thinking this can't get any worse. And then Iowa buries another three and another three. They were shooting 60% with about four minutes left till they called off the dogs. I mean, it was, and then they brought, didn't they bring him back in? They brought him back in. Yeah. <laughs> like at the yeah. Two minute mark. It's like, kind what are you of doing, Fran? Yeah. Kind like, of Wait, on. is that Chris Murray in the game again? Get yeah. out of there. I, I just, it was such a bad loss. They lost by 17. And if you watched it, you know, one, God bless you. But if you did watch it, it wasn't even that close. 17 doesn't do it justice. Oh my God. No, it was no. so much worse than that. And so, I think a lot of these final scores have been in that same boat. Wasn't it the Illinois game where you're getting drilled by 18 mm-hmm. or 20. And I think that one wound up looking at, it was a nine point game at the end. Two of these games. I remember Zed key 
Zed Key, Sean McNeil, Justice Suing, three guys that have just had yep. meaningless buckets at the end of a game that was either double digits spread or close to it at that point. Yeah, I, I you know, and if you would have said before that game began, if you would have get, get, if I would have given you Sean McNeil's stat line and said, you know, tonight Sean McNeil's not going to miss a single shot the entire game. He's going to be seven of seven, four of four on threes, two of two from the line, and have twenty points. You think how much of the Buckeyes going to win by? It's absurd. He had the best game of his collegiate career, probably, and and they still get throttled. It was frustrating to watch, and I I hate to use the word fragile, but Tim mentally, I'm concerned about the makeup on this team because, like you said, they play well and they hang with. And then a two-minute run, and it's, it's like, gone. forget about it. It's gone. It. Yeah. It's over. Forget about it. And, and, so, and the types I don't know if fragile is the word, but they're definitely zero confidence. No, fragile's, you have it, to use all those words, man. It might man. be fair. It they're, might be a fair word. They're fractured right now. Yeah, that's a good word. They're borderline broken, and that's why you're worried because you can say, let's get to the end of the season mm-hmm. on one hand. Yeah. But, dude, there are teams like we talked about right the depth of the big 10 if you finish above 500 in the big 10 with the respect that it has you're getting into the tournament right yeah Yeah. seed could be a thing and that's what you're fighting for that's what you're posturing for so ohio state might be limping along and we might have to have a conversation about zed key in the shoulder where he keeps clutching it multiple times a game and he got taken out of this one and you wonder what are we doing do we have to shut him down then you're prone to even more losses because Felix Okpar doesn't look like he's ready to have that kind of role or those kinds of minutes. But Purdue, Penn State, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, they're not taking you lightly. They can't afford a yeah. loss yeah. to you right now. Right. So I am really worried at the chance of five and then a game in the Big Ten tourney, six more games, and just how it feels. It was the types of buckets they were giving up yeah. The open threes and then the turnovers leading to just wide open dunks or cutting in the half court to yeah. wide open layups. That's the one that got me. There were so many possessions where a guy was just caught with his back to the cutter. I yeah. mean, and you know, they teach you in third grade, you chest the cutter, you stay in front of them. And I just watched guys would watch the first pass at the top of the key and they and just look stand over and, they're, and their guy would just bolt to the hoop and they get a layup. And I'm like, this is elementary school defense right now. That's not being played. It was you know, I, 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 I said I don't like to say fragile. I also don't love questioning effort because I don't think it, it's easy to judge. So I don't think that they're quitting. I mean, they played hard those last few minutes. I just think they're not that good. They're not that structured. They're not that talented. They're not paying attention enough. Yeah. They're and, not taking the coaching. And either Holtman's and not bringing it to them. the game. Either Holtman's not coaching them well enough or they're not listening. One of the two, and maybe it's a combination of both. But And that's the hard conversation because you can, you can agree – we both agree there have been good coaches that have had really horrible seasons. Yeah, for it sure. It has to happen. It, it goes around, one. right? You'll have one. And I think he's a good coach, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve the criticism for this no. or the ramifications, what they ultimately may be, even with his job here as head coach and how this plays out into the next season because we know the contract situation. Everybody you know that we've heard have an opinion in the fan base is done, like just totally done. But I – they have to be coaching these guys the same way they always have and even pushing buttons to try to do it differently in practice. They're not taking it to the games, obviously. And that's what I'm worried about for the final five season, uh, final five games is there. You can't say that there's a floor. You cannot say yeah. that they've hit rock bottom. 
with there's games left to go for these guys. They keep showing you there's a longer way to fall. Here's what's concerning to me. So you lose five in a row. You beat Iowa. Now you've lost seven in a row. The first five are so much different than the last seven. Okay, here's the first five when they lose. They lose by two to Purdue. Great yeah, loss. Yeah. Lose by seven at Maryland. Okay. Lose by three to Minnesota. Not good, but it's by three. Lose by four at Rutgers. Okay. Lose by three at Nebraska. So you're talking you lose five games by two, nine, 12, 16, 19. So that's less than four points a game. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. this one, you lose by nine to Illinois, 16 to Indiana, five to Wisconsin, eight to Michigan, six to Northwestern. Now the last two, 21 and 17. So the first five game losing streak was oh, you know, a shot here, a turnover there, a bad break and a couple foul shots. And it switched. Yeah. And now you're like, nah, you're the doormat. I mean, you basically, thank goodness you can look down at the floor below you and see Minnesota hanging out in the living room because outside of them, you're the worst team in the conference and, and you have to own it at this point. This is not a bad break or a missed shot here or there. This is just a bad team. People talked about the Purdue game and we keep coming to, to that one. It's time to stop. You know, it's a, thir- oh. it's a 13 game stretch. Yeah. And I would also point to not the Purdue game. Forget about that one. The one that really killed the confidence in my opinion is when you lose at home to Minnesota. Yes. You lose at home to Minnesota they're one and 12. You look at that. You're thinking, oh my goodness, like how in you're coming off another game where you did not play great. And yeah. again, the Maryland game was another example of where they had a stretch where if you could just stop playing that poorly in such a quick burst and let it get out of control, that opening to the second half against Maryland was like nothing you've ever seen. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was a tight, you were up five at halftime yeah. without playing good ball. Yeah, you were just and playing C+. You don't take that to the locker room and say, guys, we're lucky. Let's let's go out there fired up. We were lucky to have a five-point lead. No, they played even worse. So you come home from that, have a game against Minnesota to stop the bleeding at a two-game losing streak, and you don't, and you lose to one of the worst teams in your league. And then, it's like you said, you were hanging in in the road games at Rutgers, Nebraska, Spirited, then you lost those one win in the mix. And then that's just the team that you have become. So isn't it so hard to think about a team that was competitive against San Diego state that blew out Cincinnati by 28 that beat at that point, what we thought was going to be a good Texas tech team kind of hung with Duke took Carolina at OT one on a buzzer beater that yeah maybe shouldn't have counted against Rutgers. That is so long ago to think about that team that was competing against better teams to the one now who just gets boat raced off the floor in Iowa. I mean, it's, it's crazy and that's where I said I don't know about the word fragile or quitting or any of that stuff. It's hard to judge. But mentally, this team is is shattered, it seems, because they're just not competitive now. And, my goodness, they have Purdue on the road who's angry right now, yep. and they cannot lose to you. And that's coming up Sunday at 1. Uh, for those of us checking us out on the fan on Saturday morning, that will be a 12-15 Start time for the uh, network broadcast, 12 o'clock. I'll be here warming you up for all the fun action on Sunday afternoon. One thing left to do is uh, Dave Holmes from 10TV, our sportscaster, kind enough to join us for this whole pod. I want to see what games he's looking at this week. And we give you a Mad About Hoops road trip meter. What are the ticket prices? What's within a sane driving distance? A lot of action every single weekend until March now is jam-packed with some good action. And we look at it next. It's Mad About Hoops. All right, Saturdays are great for college basketball. They, it's not like a college football Saturday, but 
I really do enjoy them. I wish the Buckeyes were playing more Saturday games than Sunday games. They've gotten on this Thursday-Sunday kick for the entire month of February. But again, doesn't matter so much this year because this has turned into a lost year that's not going to any tournament play. I'll tell you this, uh, Dave. My sister and my nephew... This one's not within driving distance, so I can't really put this one on the the Mad About Hoops road trip meter, but I did have the Kansas Jayhawks on here when you could have caught them in a big game at West Virginia Coliseum. Like, catch the Jerry West statue, nice environment, good town if you've never been there. Mm-hmm. But my sister and the nephew are taking my cousin's tickets and going to KU Baylor. That's huge. KU Baylor, top 10. I'm looking at get-in prices if you're just a person off the street. to go see the Jayhawks and the Baylor Bears. Unbelievable. Well, now it's dipped a little bit to $217 for that last row in the building. Number nine versus number five. It's a four o'clock Saturday tip off. That's uh, the big 12 is kind of on the line right there. It's not over yet with that game, but nine and four Kansas nine and four Baylor. Both are 20 win basketball teams. That's a pretty incredible game. I look at Indiana versus Illinois. This is also not cheap, so I would maybe put this one at like a six-ish on mm-hmm. the road trip meter, but it's Assembly Hall, great venue. We've looked at the Hoosiers, good team. They seem to be a little bit back, starting to give them more credit for what they're doing. They're hosting Illinois, noon tip-off. It's going to be a rocking atmosphere, big-time atmosphere. You saw what it was for that Saturday night game when rods are falling from the, the scoreboard and almost hitting Bryce Sensabaugh. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's a reason where this thing has kind of gone yeah. uh, Gone missing for Bryce. Almost got hit in the head with a metal rod. Yeah, that'll shake you. Maybe you might actually have to think about that for a second. That'll shake it. My, if if I had to take a road trip this weekend, I would actually go down to Lexington. I would catch Kentucky hosting Tennessee. Down to where? I'm sorry. Where did I say? To Lexington. Oh, okay, I thought I said it wrong. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're going you're to go Gus on me. We are going to overtime in Lexington. I was like, did I get the town? I've never, have you been to Rupp? I've never been to Rupp. Ah, oh, man. So here's why. You can get in for 100, under 100 bucks. Yeah. They're yep. hosting Tennessee. I want to see Tennessee on the bounce back here. You just beat number one Alabama. So now here's a letdown spot, but you don't let down against Kentucky because no matter what the record says, it's still Kentucky. Kentucky needs wins, and this is a bit of a revenge one because Tennessee's only dropped two home games all year. The first one, they lost at home to Kentucky, a game they didn't think they should have lost at the time. So to me, that's a fun revenge narrative. You got the blue blood against the team who's actually trying to replace them in their own conference in Tennessee. Tennessee's hot coming off the win, so that's that's the one I would go to. You can get down there to Lexington in about what three three, three and, and a half? half hours three and a half oh I'm I'm with you man what it's do you doable. Get, half what tank? do you give that one you give that a seven I eight think it's, nine I think, I think it's That's about pretty high a, I think it's about an eight just yeah, because I'm we're, with you we're half tank of gas and we're under a hundred bucks to get in there you know a, a game that I would love to see this one's low though because Loyola of Chicago and this is for people that are listening to the podcast this if you're catching us on the fan this game was last night Dayton on the road at Loyola big game for the Flyers because it's in the conference. And they're battling to stay at the top of the A-10. I love checking out gyms like that, though. Yeah. You know, they play at the uh, Joseph J. Gentile Arena in yeah. Chicago, right? North side of Chicago. I've seen photos of the spots. Uh, I just love smaller, more intimate gyms. And to catch a team from Ohio there that's having a nice season. I know Dayton fans are always a little upset with the way things have gone with Anthony Grant and they want it to be better. I get that. But I put that one at like a five because tickets are really expensive for that one too. Loyola's nine and 16. 
but yet it's a $72 get-in price. It's basketball, it's Chicago, and Loyola has kind of built themselves into something. They were in the tournament one year ago. Buckeyes got the win over them in that uh, 7-10 game, I believe it was. Yes, and one other one that, you know, this isn't a sexy matchup perhaps, but for me, I would go up to Northwest Ohio. I used to work there. And you have Toledo on the road against Bowling Green. So that's their big rivalry. That's the battle of I-75. And Toledo should win this game. But here's why it's interesting to me is the Toledo Rockets are 20 and six. They almost think they're good enough to get an at-large, but we know the Mac's never going to get right. an at-large under the current right. format. But Toledo has consistently been a top three Mac school for as long as I can remember. And no matter what, they don't win the Mac tournament. I believe the Rockets haven't made the NCAA tournament since 1980, which is alarming that you've gone more than 40 years without winning the MAC because wow. they're always one of the two or three best teams. And this year, wow. it's between them, my alma mater, Kent State, and Akron. Uh-huh. It's one of those three schools. And history says that even though Toledo might be better than the other two, they just never get the job done. So to me, that's a big spoiler game. Toledo on the road at the Stroh Center taking on the BG Falcons. And that's a newer place, too. It is, and yeah. that's they, a pretty-looking place with the glass side. I talking about that one yes. with T-Bone here a couple weeks yeah, ago, last I, week. It was built right before I moved down here. I believe it was, I want to say it was built in 2012 or 13. It was a year or two before I came down to Columbus because I worked up in Toledo. I love it, man. The yeah. fact that you have so many Mac Ohio schools, quick drives, yeah. been to the Convo Center for Ohio. They're, they're okay this year, 15 and 11. They're at Central Michigan Saturday at 2. Akron home Saturday night against Buffalo. So another one of those upper echelon Ohio Mac schools. Kent State had the Friday night game yep. against a uh, porous Eastern Michigan team. So they were like 18-point favorites. I'm sure Kent State got the, the dub. And, yeah, there are some good squads. I like your big conference one, that Tennessee-Kentucky. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to Rupp, that is a great opportunity right there, man, for less than 100 bucks. You had the Kansas-Kentucky game down there yeah. just shortly, a short while ago. That if that was the night the Buckeyes were playing on the road at Indiana. Yes. It was a Saturday night eight. I would have been there in a heartbeat if Ohio State caught a Sunday game uh, that night. But, Dave, this was a great time, man. Hopefully things improve in Ohio State's land. It's not this year, so – it will be next season or beyond, but always awesome to talk with another fine college basketball lover. Had a great time, and and just rest easy knowing this, Tim. Next year, the Buckeyes will be a year older and a year wiser. <laughs> but, I mean, how could you not be, right? How, how could they not be better when they'll be wiser next year? Builds character. Builds character. Dad says. These are, these are all the cliches that I'm going to force myself to believe between April and October. You got to say something. Got to feel good about something. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. As always, the only way to get the full podcast without any edits is to listen to just that, the podcast. Anywhere you get your audio. And if you listen on Apple, please do leave us a rating and a nice customer review, some ideas of more content, things you want us to talk about. Not talking enough Duke, not talking enough Kentucky or Carolina, whatever, Kansas. Tell us. Write it down in there, and we will see you guys next time. Have a great day. Enjoy the hoops this weekend.